Hello, and welcome to the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living. I'm your host, Dan Casas-Murray. This podcast is for the Tao curious, those looking for a random bit of wisdom once in a while, or for those who want to dive into this wonderful teaching. I've been studying the Tao Te Ching for just short of a year now, and have reconnected with a natural feeling of inner peace and contentment. I don't hold a doctorate, nor am I qualified to teach anything about the Tao Te Ching. I'm just an ordinary person who has experienced the wonderful side effects of following the Tao. Since everyone's experience with this wisdom is different, the only thing that I can hope for is that mine helps you to connect with the Tao in your own unique, personal way. Feel free to listen to each episode a day at a time, or anytime you need a quick Tao shot. You can listen while you're on your way to work, or after that, when you're winding down. It's always a good time to observe the Tao. In each episode, we'll do four things. One, we'll read a verse of the Tao Te Ching. Two, I'll break it down into everyday language. Three, I'll share my own thoughts and experience. And four, I'll leave you with a couple of the many ways you can put the Tao into practice for yourself. That's pretty much how I've been practicing the Tao every day. By listening to Lao Tzu, reflecting on his words of wisdom, listening to other comments, and trying to practice them in everyday life. Thanks for joining me today, and enjoy this episode of the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living. Verse 72, Reflecting When the people fear not what should be feared, then what is most to be feared descends upon them. Beware of thinking you're dwelling too narrow. Beware of resentment over your lot. I resent not my lot, therefore I find no cause for resentment in it. Hence the saint knows herself and does not make herself conspicuous. She exercises restraint and does not glorify herself. This is why she shuns the one and follows the other. That's verse 72 of the Tao Te Ching translated by Charles Johnston. Next, let's break it down. This verse has two parts to it. And we'll take each part, one idea at a time. Part one is, I get back what I put out. And part two is allowing the Tao to provide. A couple of themes that we've already heard about. But they bear repeating once in a while, just like everything good in the Tao Te Ching. So, of course, we're looking at this from a different angle today because Lao Tzu has this really cool ability to show us the same thing over and over again in the Tao Te Ching, but like from different perspectives. And that's what I love about it. Okay, so let's look at part one. I get back what I put out. So what are we saying here? Well, the first line is our main clue when he says, when the people fear not what should be feared, then what is most to be feared descends upon them. It's basically, if you're afraid of, of something, 
and you're afraid of something happening, probably the worst thing that I know that I can do <laughs> is to th sit there and think about it because it'll happen. It'll come true, right? My fears just, they have a way of coming true. And okay, like I have evidence of that, right? <laughs> like a lot in my life if I look back. But here's the other thing. If it works for that, it probably works for happy and it probably works for, I don't know, like compassion, contentment, and humility. It probably works for those things too. So that's what I was thinking about for part one is basically like, like the way things work is the Tao is this huge mirror that just like reflects back at me when I'm putting out there. Okay. I mean, we've also heard that before from um, the author Hua Qingni, who said, like, physically we're the doer, but spiritually we are the receivers. Okay, cool. So this is awesome because I have this from like multiple sources now. There must be some element of truth to that, right? Okay, so let's talk about part two. Part two talks about allowing the Tao to provide. Okay. So, he, and, and how do we get there? By basically saying, be happy with what you got. But this leaves us with a conundrum, doesn't it? It's like, wait a minute, how can I want more and be happy with what I've got and then allow the Tao to reflect back at me that which I'm putting out? Like, how does that whole thing fit together? <laughs> um, yeah, it's like one of those paradoxes for me anyways here's what I kind of figured out I was like or at least this is what I've allowed to come into my awareness it's that okay if if I'm practicing contentment by being happy with what I've got then that contentment comes back to me but also what happens is sometimes I say you know what I think it would be cool to have X, Y, and Z capability or X, Y, and Z economic condition or whatever. Now, when I put that initial desire out there, well, there's an opportunity for the Tao to reflect that back at me, right? Where I go wrong is if I sit there and I dwell on the things that I don't have, I get that back too. So it's like this, I have to have this realization that, hey, maybe this extra condition would be cool and then just let it go and be content with what I have. And in that moment, what I'm actually doing is I'm creating those conditions and they're out there, they're in the Tao. And then what I must do is be patient, be content and wait and allow the Tao to do what it always does, which is to provide that which I need. So, kind of tricky for me to have experienced this and then be able to articulate it and now be able to practice it. But I feel like that is what this verse means to me today. So to wrap that up, let's remember that verse 72 has two parts to it. Part one is I get back what I put out. And part two is allowing the Tao to provide. So let's put that back together. I'll read verse 72 again.
When the people fear not what should be feared, then what is most to be feared descends upon them. Beware of thinking your dwelling too narrow. Beware of resentment over your lot. I resent not my lot. Therefore, I find no cause for resentment in it. Hence, the saint knows himself and does not make himself conspicuous. He exercises restraint and does not glorify himself. This is why he shuns the one and follows the other. Let's take a look at some of the things that this verse made me think about today when considering reflecting. There are two. One is the universal mirror, and two is being happy with what I've got. The universal mirror. Sometime in my not-so-distant past, but before I began my conscious journey with the Tao, I found myself walking into a work situation that would bring me wonderful gifts, but only after it had ended badly. <laughs> I was a part of the leadership team and in a supervisory role. I'd come in without knowing the team too well and all of a sudden was leading meetings, creating policies, synchronizing staff actions, and performing other duties. My attitude was similar to what had worked for me in the military. Be present, care for the folks in my charge, ask them to do hard things, and make sure that things got done. Now there was a person there whom I'll call Sarah that seemed to go along with things but offered stiff resistance to suggestions I would make at the group level, or even decisions I would make at group level. She would call me out in front of everyone and present an opposite opinion of my reasoning. On many occasions, it was embarrassing. <laughs> in person, she would also tell me incredibly scathing things and was very difficult to work with for me. Now, as a person who had not started my conscious journey with the Tao, I was very much wrapped up in self. I tried to apply the good leadership I knew from the military, and it very well may have worked, but there was one problem. I may have had great leaders in the army, but that didn't mean that I internalized everything. <laughs> that one problem turned out to be my pride, a thing that I didn't even see at the time. That pride caused me to put myself morally above everyone else in the company. It caused me to think that I knew best. More pertinent to this verse, it caused me to project disrespect and some disdain for the people working, quote, under me. Needless to say, most things went badly for me. <laughs> there was usually stiff resistance from pretty much everyone except for the one partner. And convinced that I was there to lead properly, I continued, I pushed on. As Lao Tzu puts it here, when the people fear not what should be feared, then what is most to be feared descends upon them. In my role, I feared being the leader that everyone hated. So I held myself to a standard that was foreign to the team. My attitudes were rigid and unbending. My reasoning was that eventually they would see how, with a little discipline, we could have a really great company that was solid with its values and operations. And what I was most afraid of occurred. When I left 18 months later, <laughs> there were no tearful goodbyes. There were no 
thank yous for your service. Looking back at it now, I feel like there may have even been sighs of relief. No bridges were burned, though, so we at least left some lines of communication open. And then, something curious happened. As I took stock of myself and started my journey with the Tao, my pride began to subside enough so that I started to appreciate the people with whom I had worked a little more. I realized that I had been trying to impose my will onto Sarah pretty much all the time. And despite the difficulty and embarrassment I thought she caused me, I wanted to make things right with her. So, one day, after I had been gone for a while, I went back and asked to speak with her. She agreed. I told her that I had realized how domineering I had been and how I thought that was wrong. (laughs) I offered her my humility. And in that moment, something switched between us. I saw deeply into her eyes, and as I spoke, it seemed that a burden had been lifted between us both, in me, and in her. In her, I saw a gentleness in there I had never seen before. Gracefully, she accepted my offer, and that was the beginning of a whole new relationship between us. I feel like Lao Tzu's primary message in this verse is, you get back what you put out. If it's a fear of things, then those things show up. If it's domination, then resistance is what you get back. And of course, the opposite holds true. If I put out love and understanding, that's what I get back. If I offer humility in a genuine manner, I receive it from others. When I do my part to ensure my relationships are in a state where they can grow, I find healing and grace. Sarah and I would become friends after that. (laughs) She even became my teacher. She has a spiritual healing practice, and she would share techniques or tell me things I needed to hear after that. She has taught me much, and for that, I am grateful. In our relationship, though it started out non-functional, I can clearly trace what Lao Tzu talks about in his verse. I get what I put out there, regardless of what it is. So, he goes on to say, why not try this with ourselves? Why not see what happens when we take care to hold compassion for ourselves in our hearts without exhibiting it? Not only might we get back our own love, we might even get the best of both worlds as we practice unassuming self-love that spills over to our relationships, we get returned love from others that fulfills us even more. Being happy with what I've got. After this initial idea of universal reflection, Lao Tzu says something like, don't resent your station in life or your life circumstances. In this translation, he says, beware of thinking you're dwelling too narrow. Beware of resentment over your lot. Putting that together with the first part, we can understand why. Because if we start resenting where we're at, we'll only get problems. It'll come out in the way we think about our personal situations, now we talk about them and what we do. But wait, can't I want more for myself and my family? Where does wanting better things for me and my descendants or even the whole world come in? 
that's a question that always pops in my mind when I think about this. Like, I'll start off with, yeah, contentment sounds good. I think that's the way for me. And then I read something like this. Be happy with what you've got. And then I'm all like not ready to give up on my desires for better things. (laughs) I'd like to share what's worked for me so far. I'll go somewhere and see a standard of living that is way above mine. I'll appreciate the cars, the houses, the food, the everything about it. And then I'll get this thought. Hey, wait, I should be able to have this too. Why don't I have this? What did these people do to deserve all of this? And how do I get it? I think where I go wrong is the hey, wait thought. The one where I say that I should be able to have it too. In that moment, I am inadvertently thinking my dwelling is too narrow. I mean, it's totally okay to appreciate things, but the moment I want to possess them, that's when I get into trouble. I can indeed walk away from that experience and say, hmm, this environment would benefit me and my family, and if I thought about that in that way, I could avoid the whole, quote, justifiable envy thing. For me, it's okay to be aware of things that can help me better myself. What's poisonous is the envy I may feel when I wonder why I can't have those things as well. Advancement, physical, emotional, or spiritual, does come from a desire to want to be better. But the desire must be short-lived. For me, it's the act of thinking, hmm, maybe I'll grow a plant so I can have tomatoes. I must then stop wanting to plant it and actually take the necessary actions to grow it. So I think being happy with what I've got means that it's okay to push forward and grow. It just seems to be loving myself, as Lao Tzu puts it. But the moment I resent where I'm at by feeling envy over other stuff, well, that's where I'm exalting myself, which is what he warns against. So if this works for physical stuff, well, what about relationship stuff? Like comparing my current relationships with some imagined ideal or even other people's relationships. Can't this apply here as well? I think so. And what about other people's, quote, got my stuff togetherness? I mean, sometimes I'm in awe of people that seem to have their stuff together. But more often than not, my initial reaction is, well, they probably haven't had it as hard as me. Which is not true, by the way. If there's one thing I've learned, it's that we all have our different struggles and journeys, each according to what we need to experience. When this situation pops up, my first reaction is to start comparing myself to the other person. And you know, it's not a conscious thing at first. It's a gut reaction, like one I haven't become able to control yet. The good news is that as soon as I realize what's going on, I can change it. So, usually within a short time, I can readjust. But this is resenting my station too, isn't it? If I dwell on it, then yes, absolutely. Finally, I think I can apply this to my own spiritual growth. Sometimes I'm all, man, it would be so cool if I could use the force. I wouldn't have to get up off the couch. I could like levitate the cup, get the water, and have it float on over. That would be sick. Or in other matters, I sometimes think, bro, I want to be so enlightened, bro. Like, I could trip out anytime I wanted. I could, like, 
float around and not have to worry about normal stuff, you know? <laughs> For real, like I've had these thoughts. I've found that these representations of spiritual growth are actually only that, and really inadequate representations at that. I mean, I can't fault our means of communication, you know, words, pictures, that sort of thing. They're simply just not set up to describe things non-physical. But the real thing, spiritual ambitions, those actually block my progress. When I say I want to sit there for hours without thinking about anything or be able to create situations just by thinking about them or any other number of neato byproducts of spiritual growth, which in some circles are called achievements, I'm actually blocking my own progress. And how? Well, I take my mind off of chopping wood and carrying water and think about how warm that fire is going to be and how awesome that tea will taste. When I start thinking about these things, I slow in my wood chopping and carrying. I distract myself from the task at hand and diminish my productivity so that I might not have enough wood to make that sick fire that gets hot enough to make that tasty tea. Metaphors aside, when I start concentrating on so-called spiritual accomplishments, I stop doing the things that will get me there in the first place, practicing desireless concentration on dissolving the bondage of self. <laughs> At least that's my take on it for now. But I think the main point is this, keeping in mind that what I think, say, and do reflects right back at me, whether it's quote good or quote bad, I would do well to practice contentment with my life, life situation, and goals. I can certainly have goals, yes, but I must be careful to still enjoy and be grateful for what I do have. Otherwise, that magical universal mirror will prevent me from getting what I want in the first place. I can always be open, willing, and available to receive things that will allow me to grow economically, socially, and spiritually. I can also be appreciative of what's in front of me right now. So I think that's a good place to stop today. To wrap up my experience with this verse and considering reflecting, I thought about two things. One is the universal mirror, and two is being happy with what I've got. For the final piece of this episode, let's consider how we can apply the principle of reflecting in this verse today. You know, it's one thing to talk about trusting the Tao to provide, and another thing entirely to actually do it. I have found that it's so easy to talk about it, but trusting involves things that seem really irresponsible or uncomfortable to let go. And what type of letting go would that be if I was to practice this verse today? Well, thinking about it, I feel like sometimes there's a fine line between having a creative urge to do something and not adding extra goodies along with it. As an example, for the past five months or so, I've been working on a project. I started it because I had an idea. I felt empowered, and I knew that if done properly, it would help not only others, but me. So it seemed like a no-brainer. I went to work, planned things out, drew them out, talked to a few people about it, built it, showed it to a few of them, and as I'm doing this, of course I can't help but think about it a lot. 
<laughs> and that thinking part, I start fantasizing about how it's going to bring me recognition within the community. I think about how I can use it cleverly. I think about how awesome it is and how the concept can be applied across different subject matter areas. And now, months after I've committed to the idea, I've got my mock prototype built and it's ready for some live testing. Only, I'm tired of it now. <laughs> and I just want it out of my head. So I wonder, if I hadn't fantasized about all those extra goodies I thought I'd get, would I actually have more energy to complete it? Would I not be so tired of it right now? Would I even be contemplating dumping it? I allowed myself to fantasize about the results. So, in a way, I wasn't practicing this verse for the past few months. I was thinking about how the project could bring me things I wanted and didn't think I had. I got caught up in how much better things would be for me if I built this thing and forgot to enjoy it for what it is. A creative expression. I was forcing an identity onto it. Moving forward with it, I have asked the Tao to show me what to do with it. I have done my best to just give up on my will on it. Because I know my mistake from the very beginning was to allow the fantasies to creep in. It was actually a great lesson. I know that if I can take this example, detach from the outcome, and place it in the trust and care of the Tao, I have taken some important steps in my own growth. So for me, practicing this verse meant me looking at something I was dissatisfied with, then asking myself why. It took a few sessions to get quiet enough to realize that I was tired of the fantasizing. I could be happy with what I've got, the ability to create and do so without involving my ego in it, plus a lesson I can work on right now to practice that. I would encourage you to think about things that you're dissatisfied with. Reflect. See if you can be happy with what you've got, what that really is, and see what you can learn from it. Thank you for listening, and thank you for considering the principle of reflecting with me today. To close out this episode, I'll leave you with a final reading of verse 72 of the Tao Te Ching, translated by Charles Johnston. When the people fear not what should be feared, then what is most to be feared descends upon them. Beware of thinking your dwelling too narrow. Beware of resentment over your lot. I resent not my lot. Therefore, I find no cause for resentment in it. Hence the saint knows herself and does not make herself conspicuous. She exercises restraint and does not glorify herself. This is why she shuns the one and follows the other. Thanks for listening to an episode of the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living with your host, Dan Casas-Murray. This podcast is for the Tao Curious those looking for a random bit of wisdom once in a while, or for those who want to dive into this wonderful teaching. In each episode, we do four things. One, we read a verse of the Tao Te Ching. Two, we break it down into everyday language. Three, we discuss my own thoughts and experience with the Tao. 
And four, we look at a couple of the many ways you can put the Tao into practice for yourself. That's pretty much how I've been practicing the Tao every day. By listening to Lao Tzu, reflecting on his words of wisdom, listening to other comments, and trying to practice them in everyday life. I'm pretty sure that as I learn about and experience more of the Tao, all my thoughts and lessons will change. I wish the same for you as you grow along your journey. If you found something meaningful in this podcast and would like to discuss it with others, I'd like to encourage you to subscribe to the subreddit Taoism. That's reddit.com slash r slash Taoism. Also, I'd invite you to share this podcast with friends if you think it would benefit them. As always, I wish you love, compassion, and peace. Thanks for listening.